Hi everyone, it's David. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to What About Life from Indian Health Council. And I want to remind you that you can subscribe to this show via your podcast player. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, really any of the podcast players that are out there, they have a mechanism for you to subscribe to a show. Just hit the plus button or the follow button or whatever subscribe button is available within your podcast player. And your podcast player will automatically let you know whenever we drop a new episode, which is usually Tuesday of every week of every month. Oh, and please leave us a review on your podcast player. Whether that's Apple or Google or Spotify, click a thumbs up or give us a five-star rating or whatever it is your particular podcast player does to show positivity. If you could show some positivity towards us, that'd be great. It helps in the algorithms and makes our show more available to more people. So you can help us with that. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks again. Hello, this is Dan Kalak, member of the Palma Band of Lusanyu Indians and the Chief Medical Officer for Indian Health Council over the past 19 years. Miyum. May we all wonder and be blessed by the energy created by the life around us, perpetuated and created from our ancestors and their ancestors for time immemorial. We recognize the Creator's hand is all that we see, feel, think, and do here on earth and in our short existence. We treasure our time together and we wish each other peace, happiness, and long life. For love, health, time is all we have here on earth. We relish our bodies, minds, spiritual being, and our consciousness, drinking in our reality with the ones we love and making a good place for our people is paramount. For our earth, our animal brothers and sisters on earth, the ocean, the sea, and the unseen that share our space, we treasure your existence. For our children we love, live, and last one more day, if not for ourselves, but for our generations to come forever now on earth and to the universe end. Nishon Lovik. All right. Well, welcome to What About Life. I'm your host, David Dawson. This is the Indian Health Council podcast, all about mental health. And we are rounding out our May Mental Health Awareness Month uh, episodes. To my left, the one, the only, Jason Levine. Good morning and welcome back. Good to have you guys. To Jason's left. Good morning. This is Art. Welcome. Cross the table. George Pohas, PEI health educator. <laughs> and to George's left. Hello, Marissa here. Welcome, guys. Hi, Marissa. Hello. Marissa's wearing a delightfully bright yellow face mask. Yeah. Which makes me happy. And <laughs> I get these happy vibes in for <laughs> Mental Health Awareness Month. This is a rare day where I oh, have a yeah, black I didn't even face mask. <laughs> Color coordinating with Mental <laughs> <laughs> Health Month. Yeah. Yeah. It is rare to see you dressed in black. You usually have it's a, that. It's a rare, like we did it. We, <laughs> I, I, have, I have worn black my whole adult life because of the work I've done. And I, the last like eight, nine months working here, I've tried to wear bright colors as much as possible. Oh, yeah, we've seen it, he too. Has, he has a Hawaiian, as a yeah. bright Hawaiian shirt. I got my Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. I got, got, I got my bright colored <laughs> face masks, you know. Like Are you okay? But I'm wearing black. Yeah. I am Are you in feeling black all right? I know you covered you this during our Star Wars okay. podcast. May the fourth be with you. But what color lightsaber do you have? Just I have two blue. lightsabers. I have a green one and I have a blue one. 
Green and blue. That's a personal question. And those that's, are- not, that's not dark, right? No. Okay. No, I have, I have, I have replica lightsabers of Obi Wan and Luke Skywalker from the original trilogy. So, sort of reflect. Can you tell us the dark side colors of lightsabers? Just red. The red. Mm. Okay. Thank you. The ones that the kids all have. This is for, this the, is for the kids. <laughs> this is for the kids. The reason a Sith's lightsaber is red is because the kyber crystal that creates the color of the lightsaber bleeds red when evil is done through it. Mm. Interesting. Wow. You don't know, now you know. Yeah. So when a <laughs> Sith Lord takes over the lightsaber from a Jedi that he's killed... The second he starts killing people in evil with that lightsaber, the lightsaber begins to. And turn this red. is for Marissa, who missed so. our May Fourth episode. <laughs> Sounded like a good one. Right. So, so we expect a full book report uh, by the end of the podcast, right? Yes. About lightsabers. We listen to our own podcast. We can't expect anybody to. Well, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm touché, going to Star touché. Wars Celebration, and so like. I'll have all sorts of new Star Wars stories to tell. Awesome! In, in a week, <laughs> that's cool. So, uh, so this episode, we're, we're going to talk. What are we talking about? We're talking about self care. We're talking about teen care. Like, I think what George, we're talking about. Take over. George. I think we're we're going to close out the topic for the month, which May is Mental Health Month, and we've talked a lot. We've had um, Tina Garcia, our substance abuse counselor, come and talk about addiction and co-occurring disorders. We've talked. Uh, just straight mental illness. What is mental illness and mental health? We've talked. Um, we talked about fatherhood and and all grief and, and, may the, and yeah. grief and may the fourth be with you episode. Um, we uh, we last week we uh, recapped and you shared a story about your friend and asking for help. I think was the what, what looking was, for warning signs yeah, and, 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 and asking for help. Yeah, yeah, and I think closing it out, closing it out. Closing it, out, yeah. <laughs> Closing it out, I think we should talk about, you know, getting help, you know, helping, uh, you know, in, in the mental health first aid um, um, training that we're actually having next week. We're having one coming up. Um, and so in the mental health first aid, we talk about, you know, um, professional help, encouraging professional help and also encouraging self-help. That's how we end the algae, the algae tool when we, when we're helping somebody in a crisis and we, as professionals here at the table, we want to encourage people to come to the clinic. The clinic is professional help. Everything here at the clinic is professional help. When you hear about someone says you need some help, they're talking about the clinic. Okay. (laughs) You need to go see someone. They're probably at the clinic and there's clinics all over the country, all over the world, but this is Indian health and we want to help our community. And as we were talking before the podcast and Jason, we talk about it a lot out in the field. Um, the clinic closes at, you know, right now, 430. I think we're getting ready to open back up pretty soon at 630. But, you know, after the clinic, what, what, do, you, what do you do mm-hmm. after the clinic's closed and the hospital's not available or you don't have the resource, you know, living out here in rural areas? We lack certain resources. We you know, what is what is self-help look like? You know, and, and we, we want to encourage each other and our peers and our friends and our kids to help each other, because in all likelihood, you're going to go to each other. You're going to turn to the person next to you. And, and that person's going to need to identify the warning signs and say, okay, something's going on and feel confident enough to help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, that's a, that's a great question that you asked George, uh, as far as, 
what happens when all these clinics are closed? I mean, where do these individuals go? Do they roam the streets? Do most likely they'll probably go to emergency room and, and we know what happens there. Usually they'll, they'll diagnose some, give them a little medication and kick them out. So now they're back to, to square one with the same, same struggle of being on the streets and nobody's helping. Yeah. What do you do when you're sitting at home and you're watching this is us and you just can't stop crying? Mm hmm. I'm not speaking from personal experience. <laughs> Stop looking at me. Quit it. <laughs> and I think you bring up a good point, George. We were talking a little bit earlier before the podcast about, you know, our kids. They're, you know, their main priority and is, you know, maybe social life, hanging out with their friends. So having these kids, you know, get that information and be educated enough to know, to get the confidence to, you know, hey, are you okay today? Can I help you? Just asking, you know, showing that support for them and um, trying to educate them. Because just think about like how many hours they spend with their friends. They come home, they're still on their phones. So just imagine how much information they're, you know, sharing with each other, how much they know the person so well that we can boost their confidence and get them to, you know, seek help or offer help to them. It's really important, I think. We need to bring awareness to that. Yeah. You know, um, being in the field, you know, we feel ob ob obligated to try to get as much information out and to be as resourceful as we possibly can. But, you know, the fact of the matter is we could only do our job. And when someone's not ready, like Jason likes to say, you got to be ready when they're ready, when they're not ready to get help, um, then, you know, they're, 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 they're at, at some point you, we can't do anything, especially us here in the office or at the clinic as professionals. But, you know, as as peers and, and family, you know, you could you you're closer to the situation when it's time. You got to be ready. You know, we, we're, we're here on the clock and we're working. It's our job. We stay ready. You mm -hmm. know, you know, the motto, we, we stay ready so we don't have to get ready. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, ready. you know, oh, man. But, but, you know, we want to encourage our, 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 our community, you know, to, to be ready because we hear it from everywhere. Everybody's dealing with mental health issues. Every family, you know, rich, poor, white, black, brown, yellow, green, purple. Everybody's dealing with mental illness, mental health issues, stress finances and people break down, you know, and, and, and when we talk about like addiction, that's probably the most common thing that people say, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, so my family member needs help, mm -hmm. but they don't want to get help. They're not, they won't listen. We got to be ready. So, you so, know? so, so let's backtrack. Let's talk a little bit about how we can help somebody when they don't want help. So, when they're not ready. So how we, can we, we help the family? We as, are we, are we going to, okay. So in this scenario, we as, uh, me as a health educator, me we, as, as, as an elder navigator, Arthur Calvo, yes, as, let's or, say, or as we as a brother or a mom or a son or a, 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 a friend. That's friend. Well, I think that when an individual doesn't want help mm -hmm. and you continue to ask them if they want help, but they continuously say, no, I don't want mm -hmm. any help. I think the one important thing is to continue to love them. Mm -hmm. So when they're ready to get help and yeah. go to a place, they know that you love them and you're still supporting them regardless of, 
their struggle that they're going through. But I think that loving them unconditionally while they're going through the crisis and struggling, but still having that resource ready. So when they are ready, because at some point they are going to get ready. Yeah. I think it's important if you're recognizing that somebody's having issues, you plant the seed for them that you're there and that you'll be a safe place for them to come to when they are ready. And I think, I think you can do that in a lot of different ways. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to say it directly to them, but I think they need to understand and you have to help them see it, that you will be a safe haven when they are ready to kind of face that down. Cause I, I always like to say if, you know, if you can't, <clears throat> especially if you're a parent, who brought you into this world, if you can't trust that parent who brought you into this world, who are you? There's, there's no, no, you're not going to find anybody, anybody that you trust, mm-hmm. period. It's going to be too hard. Mm-hmm. But when you have someone that continuously loves you, showing you, I'll feed you, um, here's a bedroom for you and go above and beyond for you despite your, your struggle, they know that they can come to you. It's an interesting point you make about the parenting because like, you know, I've discussed with you guys my situation as a child and the things that I went through. But when I moved in with my dad, which was the end of a lot of those problems, it was the end of the alcohol, it was the end of the drugs, it was the end of the sexual violence that I experienced. But when I moved in with my dad, the first thing he told me was, and mind you, I was 10, 10 and a half. First thing he says to me, I don't know if you know what alcohol is. I don't know if you know what drugs are, but if I catch you doing any of those things, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out of it. <laughs> he shut the door on me telling him what I'd just gone through in the three years prior to moving in with him. Cause I was terrified for him to find out. Right. So I never opened up about that until I was about 17. So for seven years, I kept all of that stuff tucked inside and buried rather than having that conversation with my dad about what I had gone through and it built and it built and it built and it built and it finally just exploded when I was like 16 years old, 17 years old. And I made everybody suffer for having kept that stuff tucked away for so long. But my dad could have changed all that with a much more, much different approach to me moving in with him and being more letting me feel like he was a safe place to tell him what I was going through, as opposed to like, this is something I can't talk to dad about. So I won't. And I think a lot of parents maybe make that mistake Mm -hmm. of just saying that's a bad thing. And I don't ever want to know that you've done it. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. You've just told your child you're not a safe haven. Right. You know, like, I think we got to be really careful about how we interact with our children, too. You Absolutely. Know? And, and with just our friends in general. And, and, and there's there's a certain degree as far as respect goes, like as a as a child that you don't want to disappoint your parents yeah. mm-hmm. in a way, you know, yeah. that, and that's why, you know, Georgia, Georgia, myself, we went out to do some outreach and uh, we just got into a conversation about how important it is to have a peer and we did a a presentation and the the kids were so engaged on a peer to peer and what that looks like um, as far as getting help or even conversating or talking about 
what the crisis they might be going through. And they were super engaged. Mm -hmm. They were, they were just asking questions like, and not knowing that it's a peer to peer, but they were giving us examples like baseball and football and art and all these really cool ideas that in reality, our kids stay in school eight hours a day and their confidence is in their peers, their best friends, you know, and like George was saying, they go home and we get home, we're tired, but they're on their phones, social media, and they're talking to their peers. They're talking to their best friends. Right up until they go to sleep. Yep. Yeah. And then the weekend they spend time hanging out together or again on social media together or in VR games together or whatever. A, a child's peers are so important to their development. And, um, that's another one of those things too, where I think as parents, the more you can make your kids' friends also feel safe around you, um, to be themselves, to talk about the things that they need to talk about and not feel like you're going to judge them for being a bad influence to their kid or whatever, kind of, it, it helps nurture everything where you get a better glimpse into what your kid's going through, you know, because they're going to talk to their friends. Oh yeah. Cause they spend way more time with their friends than they do with you, you know? So yeah, I think that's safe. Dropping that seed of being safe. Like I am a safe place for you to be at when you're ready to talk. I'm here. I won't judge you. I won't make you suffer for telling me your truth. Um, I will help you through it. I think it's really important whether it's your kid or your friend or your, Parents, whether it hurts you know. or not, doing that safe space or that safe seat is important, mm -hmm. you know. Because sometimes, as a parent, you know, um, it's tough to, to listen to those or to, or to accept those conversations. But having your right, that safe spot is really important. Indian Health Council has been empowering Native wellness for over 50 years. We continue to do so with services like our mobile pantry, where you can receive free and nutritious food for you and your family. Join us at our Rincon facility on the second Tuesday of every month or on the fourth Tuesday of every month at our Santa Isabel location between 10 and 11 a.m. Upon arriving, you'll receive a variety of prepackaged dry goods and bulk produce. The mobile pantry is open to all families and community members. Both of our sites are following all COVID-19 health and safety guidelines as recommended by the CDC at this time. Upon arriving, please stay in your vehicle and wear a mask when coming to receive your food and practice safe social distancing. We look forward to seeing you at our mobile pantry and we thank you for listening to this podcast. Indian Health Council, empowering native wellness since 1970. Me, you. Hi, I am Dr. Dan Kalak, Chief Medical Officer at Indian Health Council and a member of the Association of American Indian Physicians and the Palma Band of Lusanio Indians. In 1971, American Indian and Alaskan Native Physicians launched AEIP to improve and protect the health of Indigenous cultures. AEIP encourages all American Indians and Alaskan Natives eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine to get vaccinated to preserve our tribal cultures for future generations. 
of the main things I do a lot with my clients is the offering the hope. Hope is a huge thing, especially when you're ready to go, you're waiting, get me in a treatment facility. Oh, we can't get you in because there's a waiting list or we have no beds available or we don't have, you know, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. So definitely the support, but also offering that hope that like, hey, we're going to get through it. We're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to help you. It might not be today or tomorrow, but you know, some of these situations are out of our hands, out of our control. So I think that should be the title of this podcast. If you don't already have one, <laughs> that should be the highlighted, underlined, bold text hope. font. Hope is help. Hope is help. Hope could help. Well, I think it's important to have a realistic expectation of that hope too. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, well, well, like what you're saying, like uh, it may take time to get you into facility. It may take time to get you here, but then it also still going to take time to get through what you're going through. The hope exists. You will get better. There is, there is light at that, the end of that tunnel, but it is a tunnel. You're going to have to traverse a bit. Well, <laughs> well, you know, the hardest part of my job sometimes is, is me, is my, I'm a little bit too realistic in a sense to where, you know, I I like to call a duck a duck, meaning, you know, this situation sucks, you know, and um, we hear about, um, if I may transition, you know, into recent community impacted by suicide. And from what we're hearing back on Facebook and social media and FBI reports that a young man was, um, was, was being blackmailed on social media, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm talking to my kids, having this conversation with them. Cause you know, I want to talk to them. I want to talk to the kids. And that was a really hard conversation. Cause here, imagining what the, the situation was that, that caused um, that to happen. I'm thinking, man, that kid was in a tough spot. Mm. Dang. And like, what kind of hope would you offer him? Like, no. what are you going to do? You're getting ready. I, I think they use social media to to um, disperse pictures or imagery. I don't know the facts. I'm just reading FBI documents. It's, it's on Facebook on Valley Center Friends. They shared it, you know, and, and, and um, it's like, what would you tell them? You know, and, and so I think, you know, you, you tell them something hopeful. Mm-hmm. You tell them, I don't know, make it up. You know, as realistic as, as I try to be, the bottom line is that's that's a hard situation. That's tough. I don't know. Sometimes we don't know the answers, especially as parents, you know, tell a story or, or try to relate. I'm not saying lie, but just be hopeful. Mm-hmm. Show them that be optimistic, you know, be optimistic and, 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 and have them have help them come up with the scenario because we don't know. Sometimes as parents, this might be the big secret I'm letting out here. As parents, we don't know. Sometimes we don't know what, what, what the heck we're doing. You know, or what? Well, most times, I think. <laughs> They're not giving us all the lot. information, you know. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, and I, I want to I uh, just, just say I, I, I shared the story with the utmost respect to the family and the community out here, you know. And, and uh, um, I, I, we're here to help. Mm-hmm. We're a resource, and if they, they need anything, we went to a community forum. The whole community addressed it. Um, it was really, really powerful how the community addressed it. It was a very unfortunate situation. But uh, seeing the community come together, unfortunately, during a trying time and sharing all the resources, identifying key stakeholders. We saw school superintendents there. We saw fire chiefs there. We saw um, 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 city council members there. We saw counselors and principals and even parents and friends. And, and so seeing that, that people want to what help is available, mm-hmm. you know, what's out there, um, I think was powerful. 
But um, again, I think hope, it really just comes down to just being hopeful. Because some situations are just tough. Offering hope. Yeah. 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 And, and being out in that, in, in those types of uh, um, presentations and stuff, that does offer hope because later on, when those individuals uh, come to you, then you have to share hope with them because of those resources, because of those indiv individuals have struggled, they've been through it. Now with those resources being there, you're able to say, well, this is a good resource for you. Let's get you involved. And sometimes you have to walk them by the hand because they are struggling. You know, sorry, my mic moved. Um, I think uh, um, some of the, some of the, uh, uh, the most m moving and inspiring things I see here at work is uh, every once in a while, the community members that like have, have, have recovered or got through recovery, but they become these change agents and they become these like these like um, connectors to treat to like recovery to their peers. And they just get lit on fire and they're like they want to it's like it gets me a little emotional, but like they want to like pay back what they did and like their way is to help everybody. So they're like dialed in with the clinic. They come to just randomly come and show up and have one of me and they walk around with their folders of information and resource guides and mm -hmm. they're just ready. They're ready to help their brothers and their sisters and their, and their kids. And they realize that this is what I got to do. I got to stay ready, you know, uh, and from eight to four thirty, and part of it might be their treatment and their recovery. You know, but but uh, they just are out there like they know people are suffering and they want to help because we could only do so much, mm -hmm. you know, and the fact of the matter, somebody that's out there suffering and, and, and dark in a dark place, they're not going to come to the clinic. You know, it, it's going to be it's going to be they're going to need to get to a, 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 a healthier place, I guess, to say somebody that's really sick is not likely to come, you know. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was doing um, substance abuse counseling, I made the mistake of making promises because I was so on fire about helping individuals that I gave them my personal number. And there were times where they would call at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in yep. the morning. Yep. Art, sh but, Art shares that. Yeah, he shares yep. it all the time. Yep. <laughs> But I was obligated because that individual is about to hurt themselves or go out and do some drugs or slam some drugs or something. So I had to show up mm -hmm. because I wasn't educated and I didn't set any well, boundaries because I was so much on fire that I wanted to help everybody. Well, we talk about hope. You were basically a miracle for this person because not everybody is that fortunate and not every mental health situation ends with a, with a great story. Mm -hmm. You know, there there people people choose suicide. People um um run into dead ends. They hurt other people. You know, and yeah. and and uh you know, you you were compelled. Sounds like yeah, I system. was definitely. You know, I I think that's where uh I first saw you work and I remember you were coming out to like Saboba and and, oh, yeah, and, and you were doing boots. outreach and the heat <laughs> and it is like we're over here doing softball and this guy's got a an outreach booth and just swarms of people were visiting the booth and this guy was ready yeah. re at the ready. And that's fantastic. But it is important to be careful that you don't slip Over, into codependency oh, tendencies. Yes. Well, while that, you're, I wish we could go on forever in this conversation because <laughs> I appreciate you sharing your story. And, and, and I think boundaries are so crucial for mm -hmm. parents and, and loved ones and relationships and, and, and professionals. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think boundaries are crucial because we don't want to be codependent. You know, sometimes you see people that are addicted to the addict. Yep. Yeah. But it's also those are when the times are most crucial is after hours Mm -hmm. and there's nobody there to offer hope. Nobody. Except for an emergency room or a police officer that might be, you know, in the situation where he could talk you through it or get you through the situation. But yeah, you're going to go to jail, but maybe he saved your life. Maybe he saved your life. So can (laughs) can I bring up something, Jason, before we move on, you talked about having your numbers, resources ready. I love what you always say. And every time you talk, you talk about, you talk a little bit about talking, checking. Oh yeah. Checking your resources. It's absolutely crucial when your when your your loved one or your friend or your peer is in a situation that needs help, the information that we give you, the information that is on two on one, check those resources. Is still see if those emails are available or those phone numbers because the last thing you want to see is an individual be ready and then nobody picks up on the other line. Mm. That's got to be the most. Oh man, painful thing that the individuals who's struggling would go through because you want someone to pick up on that other line. We always say calling to just get information, see what they do, kind of get a feel for it, do your research and, you know, kind of yep. verify, that, verify. They're, yep. that they're still, you mm-hmm. know, with COVID, that they're still open, right? That they're mm-hmm. still 24, that they're still providing um, the help that's needed. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. Really important. Yeah, we can go on forever. I think it's best mm-hmm. that I just I cut myself <laughs> off here. It's, it's, a, it, you know, it's our good. it's our it's our livelihood, and and we take a lot of, we take a lot of pride in what we do. And yeah. We try. Yeah. Well, I, I've said a number of times. One of the things that I've loved about coming to work here is the passion I feel from you guys uh, in what you do, and 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 in all the ways that you try to help the community out and and reach out to people and give them that lifeline that they need. And I think it's an incredibly special thing. And I think it's a rare thing to find in people who have that kind of passion and drive to help others. And, and I, I really respect all of you. And I, I'm Thank honored you, to be Thank working you, with you. We appreciate that. We, we could have, we got it. We got it from Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Dave. We, we could have, have a keep it at that. podcast story. <laughs> talk about stories about big Jack Laird and how he would help. Oh yeah, Jack Laird would show up to the house and say it's time. Yeah, mm-hmm. you might you're not ready, but he was Let's ready. <laughs> Jack Jack Laird, for those that don't know, mm-hmm. uh, rest in peace. But about as big as that door. Yes. <laughs> Ask somebody. Yeah. There you go. So, what are the uh, resources? Let's uh, share the resources with people. Where do they call? Yeah. So we have IHC Behavioral Health Department. You can reach us at 760-749-1410. Option four. PEI team, Art, Jason, George, Marissa. We are here to help you guys. If you ever need any resources or information, definitely give us a call. We also have our awesome 211. You can reach them just by dialing 211 or Googling 211.org. They have a bunch of resources, directory, information, eligibility. So definitely you can reach out to them. You also have NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Health. They also have a lot of San Diego, North County resources. Um, They're at NAMI.org. Um, Nat- National Institute of Mental Health, that's nimh.nih.gov. 
They also have a nationwide resources and definitely do your research and contact us for any questions. Call your, uh, just go down to your local tribal hall. Some of the best social yeah, work is done go. at that front desk, huh? <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, just yeah. don't, you're not alone. Yeah. Just reach yes. out, ask yeah. somebody. And offer hope. Offer hope. Yes. Offer hope. Yeah. Yeah. You can always walk to a fire station too. Yeah. I'm telling oh, yeah. you, just like, there, there are people around to start you know when you're ready just reach out when you're yeah, ready yeah. just start you know and, and, and when it's your time when you're ready ask for help yep. can i imagine it smells like sage so this ending on a good note yes awesome. <laughs> yes awesome. in a good way yes yeah that's another thing i like about working here right yeah. we get a, a little cleansing you didn't know you needed a little cleansing like I said, we, could, we could go on with uh, this yeah. topic you know we yeah. talk about self-help and cultural yeah you know, and, and, and just getting connected with your family and traditions. Well, and we will talk more yep. on the next episodes of What About Life. Until then, be well. Indian Health Council's What About Life podcast is made possible by the Prevention and Early Intervention Program funded by the County of San Diego Mental Health Services Act. Indian Health Council's Behavioral Health Hotline can be reached Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., by calling 760-751-6004. That's 760-751-6004. If you're outside of Indian Health Council service area and are experiencing a mental health emergency in San Diego, call the San Diego Access and Crisis Line at 1-888-724-7240. That's the San Diego Access and Crisis Line at one 888 724-7240 or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Help is available. All you have to do is reach out for it. Indian Health Council, empowering Native wellness since 1970.